You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On Rooms, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. There was only one playoff game in the NBA last night. That was Nets-Bucks game five. We'll talk about that a little bit later. A couple of small Timberwolves notes, again, related to the ownership uh, saga, as we're calling it here at Lockdown Wolves. So we'll talk about that here off the top. Then I want to get into something I started doing last week, I think middle of the week last week as well, which was one surprising statistic from the Timberwolves season. This time it's a team statistic that I want to dive a little bit further and find out who is, uh, I guess, to blame and who um, isn't to blame for this team statistic related to some some offensive issues that the Wolves had this season. So I want to get into that a little bit later in the show. First, uh, a reminder, as always, you can follow this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple as well as Google and Spotify and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves, and my account is at bbeacon 2 bs 2 es ck Yet. All right, let's talk ownership news and slash saga. So on Tuesday's show, I talked a little bit about the news that was breaking related to Glenn Taylor's response to Meyer Orbach, who leads the Orbit Group, which is the primary minority owner or the largest, the the uh, minority shareholder with the most amount of shares, over 16% of the team. Talked about that on Tuesday. Basically, Glenn Taylor is saying that the team hasn't officially been sold. They haven't sold the majority and they won't until the end of 2024 to the Mark Laurie Alex Rodriguez group. Therefore, the tag-along rights that Orbach wants to institute uh, do not need to be instituted. They He doesn't get his tag-along rights if the majority of the team hasn't been sold. So it's a it's a very much a legal battle. I am in no way a lawyer and don't know how this is going to hash out, but it's going to hash out in the courts. Um, and so it's not the best look, but it is what it is. The other piece of this, of course, is Rodriguez and Lori. And there's been some hand wringing. Some is maybe a low estimation. A lot of hand wringing in the Twin Cities about the the silence from Lori and Rodriguez, the lack of confirmation that the team, the franchise will stay in the Twin Cities. I've talked about it at various points in, in time on this show over the past, what, I guess a little over two months ago, 10 weeks ago or so, early April was when the news broke that Lorian Rodriguez would be entering into a 30-day negotiating window exclusively to try and buy the team. And initially I was worried because of Rodriguez's ties to the Pacific Northwest. Mark Lorian is a tech guy, even though he's from the East Coast. Uh, you know, I, the NBA wants a team in Seattle, et cetera. I've come around, I've talked on the show quite a few times now about how the NBA, it's much in it's much more in their best interest to have an expansion team in Seattle. The NBA makes more money. The NBA doesn't want to relocate a team because it's not a great look. It's a it's a bridge burning type situation, um, i.e. Seattle to Oklahoma City. That didn't I mean, it, it's gonna ultimately turn out great assuming Seattle gets a team, but I mean, it's been a long time now since there's been a team in Seattle, which is, by the way, the thirteenth biggest market in the end in the entire US. Minneapolis is the fifteenth biggest market. The NBA wants a team in Minneapolis. So in short, it's in the league's best interest to expand, put a team in Seattle, maybe Las Vegas. 
probably what four years from now is realistically when that could happen or when it they would actually play even if it gets finalized in the next year or two maybe five years from now the league doesn't want the team to move from Minneapolis for all those reasons I think it's unlikely still it would go a long way to hear Lorian Rodriguez confirm that they want the team in Minneapolis there was a report a couple of weeks ago which wasn't as much a report as just a, a rumor that Rodriguez wanted to move the team wanted to explore moving the team out of Minnesota now on Instagram when it comes to Rodriguez and on Twitter, according to Mark Laurie, the, uh, or that's where Mark Laurie talked about this, both parties, both of the, the primary n- names in this, uh, this new group have said that they want the team to stay in Minnesota. First, the A-Rod piece. And this was first, this was passed along by Dane Moore, of course, of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Dane does a great job. And he uh, found a comment. Uh, there was somebody that he attributed this to that he gave a hat tip to on Twitter. Um, from an Instagram thread, I think it was a live, an Instagram live show that A-Rod did on his Instagram. There was a comment from somebody named twolves.country who said, keep the wolves in Minnesota. And A-Rod said, we will, exclamation point. So there you go. A-Rod said it via Instagram, said that they're going to keep the team in Minnesota. That's the first thing. Um, two exclamation points, actually. So there you go. Tw- twice as excited as, as I originally said he was. A-Rod wants the team in Minnesota. Then on Twitter... And this was passed along by John Krasinski of The Athletic. Uh, this was from a few days ago, June 11th. So uh, just under a week ago, last Friday. Uh, what's today? Wednesday. Yeah. So last Friday. So five days ago, uh, A-Rod, excuse me, Mark Laurie responded to a Twitter question from Matt underscore Hogg, H-A-U-G. Matt Hogg said, day three of tweeting Mark Laurie to keep the Timberwolves in Minnesota. Mark Laurie said, hey, super focused right now on getting the deal finalized, excited for the future in Minnesota. And then after Hogg responded with, I thought it was going to go on like day 365, so I got a response. Excited to see what you have in store. Lots of great basketball fans here that deserve to see the Wolves be successful again. Laurie says, love the fans and community. So there you go. Directly from A-Rod, directly from Laurie on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. They both said, they want the team in Minnesota. Lori's is maybe a little bit more ambiguous, excited for the future in Minnesota, love the fans and community, whereas A-Rod was a simple, we will keep the team in Minnesota. I think in a perfect world, sure, uh, all things equal, in a vacuum, Seattle versus Minnesota, you could absolutely make an argument that Seattle's a better market to have a team in. Sure, it's slightly bigger. Uh, there's certainly more successful, or at least recent modern success with that franchise in Seattle than in Minnesota. Uh, not, I guess not a lot more, but and there's a lot more nostalgia associated with it, of course, now, since the franchise hasn't existed in Seattle for a long time. You could absolutely make that case. But we're not in a vacuum. We're in a situation where the team does exist in the 15th biggest market in the U.S. You're only moving up a couple of notches to move to Seattle. Uh, the Twin Cities does have a rich basketball history, the basketball in Minnesota. I mean, you look at Jalen Suggs to Chet Holmgren to the Jones brothers. I mean, there's tons of, there's a lot of talent in the Twin Cities in Minnesota and the upper Midwest. Obviously there is in the Pacific Northwest as well. There's plenty of examples from, you know, Jamal Crawford to Zach Levine to everybody in between, Jalen Noel, Jade McDaniels. Um, There's plenty to pull from there. Uh, and obviously bigger names than that, but just mentioning a couple of current wolves. Um, in a vacuum, yes, you can make the argument, but there's so many hoops to jump through to relocate a team. 
if Laurie Rodriguez wanted to do that, they could have just started an expansion team and put it in Seattle. Why buy the Timberwolves? I, I, I guess the expansion team is going to cost a little more, but why would you not just start from scratch if that's really what you wanted to do versus take a Wobegon franchise that's, I don't know, I don't think it's crazy to say the Timberwolves are cursed, right? And try and move them to Seattle. I just don't think it's likely. We now have this, this uh, something resembling a confirmation from Lori and from Rodriguez on social media that they want to keep the team in Minnesota. So there you have it. And I don't know what else to say about that other than um, we can't ask them to do anything more at this point in time. So positive news all the way around. Lori and Enrique say the Wolves will be in Minnesota. Okay, next, I want to talk about this surprising Timberwolves stat, a team stat as well as an individual stat. We'll do that next. First, let's talk about Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like yourself on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA as well as the MLB, NHL, and NFL. I'll be joining the app soon, so be sure to get started. I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app right now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA or NFL, MLB, or NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked On Wolves room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. All right, let's talk about the one surprising stat of the week regarding the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2021 season. This week, it's a team statistic, NBA league-wide three-point shooting percentage from the corners. Los Angeles Clippers led the league with a crazy 47.2% shooting percentage from the corners. They actually shot the second most threes in terms of percentage of their attempts. 27% of their three-point attempts were from the corner and they shot 47.2%. Just insane. Um, And I mean, you look at the top three are all three teams that were playing up until a couple days ago, the Clippers, Suns, and Nuggets. No surprise league-wide that they're in the top three. The Timberwolves were 25th in three-point shooting percentage from the corners. League average, by the way, 39.5% from the corners. The Wolves were just 36.2% from the corners. That was 25th in the league. They were only better than Miami, Orlando, Detroit, New Orleans, and Houston. Uh, New Orleans and I guess Miami would be the only two teams there that you would say uh, arguably had better offenses. I mean, we could look at offensive rating, um, but I mean, the Wolves, this is bottom of the barrel. Um, I, I will say that the Wolves were only one spot behind the Los Angeles Lakers for whatever that's worth and a couple spots behind Dallas, but still we're looking for areas to improve. The Wolves shot a ton of threes. They shot a ton of attempts in the restricted area at the rim. Very few mid-range attempts. Free throw rate improved as the year went on. Uh, we saw the team improve there, certainly. Um, and actually, on the season, they were ninth in the league in free throw rate. And rebounding, I've talked about a ton on the show. So let's talk about corner three-pointers because it is an area that they could improve. 36.2% from the corners in terms of the number of their attempts from the corners, 20.8%, which tied for 23rd in the league in terms of the frequency of corner three-point attempts. So bottom, call it bottom six in terms of number of attempts or frequency of attempts and bottom five in terms of makes from the corners. Who are the culprits here? Well, uh, number one, this is this, I could have told you this without looking it up. Josh Akogi, almost 40% of his three-point attempts came from the corners, to be exact, 39.8%. What percentage did he shoot from the corners, you ask? Uh, I don't know that you want to ask. 27.9% from the corners for Josh Akogi. Not good. 
Um, for his career, by the way, this is this is actually one of the more, I don't want to say concerning, he came around a little bit at the end of the year, but this this is an issue for me. Last year, he was 34.8% from the corners. His rookie year, he was 31.5%. So coming into the year for his career, Josh Okogie was a, not good, but respectable 32.8% from the corners. Well, he shot 27.9% from the corners this year. That's not going to cut it, especially when 40% of his threes are from the corner. And clearly that was something Ryan Saunders identified early in the year. Like, hey, you took a 30 or threes from the corners last year. You shot 35%. You know, that's at least league average in terms of overall three-point shooting. This can work, right? You can you can stay in the corners and make threes. So sure enough, they ratchet up his three-point attempts. He makes them at a worse clip. And this was his worst uh, all-around shooting season of his, of his career. Um, I would argue that it was worse than his than his rookie season. I mean, I guess they're in the same category kind of, but um, I mean, he regressed certainly. So Akogi's culprit number one, Jake Lehman didn't play enough to be a true culprit, but he was last in three point shooting percentage from the corner, 14.8% and more than a third of his three point attempts were from the corner. So not great for Jake Lehman. Carl Anthony Towns didn't shoot the ball from the corner very often. In fact, he was last in terms of frequency of shooting threes from the corners of anybody that attempted a three this year, which surprised me a little, but he also only shot 28% on corner threes. The only time he really ever shot corner threes was when they would run that action on a sideline out of bounds player where he'd come off a double screen and pop into the corner. And they ran some twists off of that, some, uh, some variables, variations of that play as the season went on. We saw it both under Saunders and under Finch really the only time he shot the ball from the corner. Um, and because, you know, on the fast break, he's filling a lane down the middle of the court as he should be, or he's trailing the play in most scenarios, occasionally handling the ball. It makes sense that the corner threes uh, aren't as frequent for him. But by the way, coming into this season for his career, he was an elite three-point shooter from the corner, 45.3%. And last year, he was 42.9% from three. This was a complete outlier. It was also the least number of corner threes he'd shot. He'd always been over 10% of his threes. One in 10 were from the corner. This year, it was just a shade under 8% of his threes were from the corner. So that's an outlier year from Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but he, I guess, is on the list. Although, again, he didn't shoot that many from the corners. But he was uh, fourth to last on the team in terms of percentage from the corner. Anthony Edwards, just 30% from the corner. Um, and then you got a bunch of guys who are hovering around league average. Ricky Rubio actually shot almost a third of his threes from the corner, but was at 34%, still below league average. But hey, I, considering he was sixth on the team in three-point shooting percentage from the corner, the Wolves will take it. D'Angelo Russell was barely shot any threes from the corner. Only 8% of his threes were from there, but he was 54% from the corner. Malik Beasley, no surprise, was awesome. 26.8% uh, of his threes were from the corner, 45% on those attempts. And the Wolves will continue to look for ways to ratchet up his three-point attempts, whether it's coming off of pin downs and, and flaring into the corner, flare screens and, and getting into the corner, or it's um, it, you know getting down in transition, which is something he's so fantastic at because of his quick release, Beasley's quick release, is catching the ball in the fast break, running to the corner, getting an easy three. Um, we also saw some some positive signs from from Jaden McDaniels. He was above league average from from the corners, forty point three percent, and more than a third of his three point attempts came from the corners. And that, that's a spot where the four um, in Finch's offense will have some opportunities to flare into the corner and get a catch and shoot three point opportunity. And McDaniels is going to get a chance to do that. Uh, Wancho also shot the ball well from the corners. Both of those guys are going to be fours quite frequently uh, alongside Carl Anthony Towns. And if Towns is operating in the post. Um, if they do any sort of action off the elbows, off of a horn set, there's always the opportunity to pop into the corner for an open three. And McDaniels and Wancho are both good from that spot. So 
I would expect the corner three-point shooting to improve for the Wolves next year. I would expect that to be an area that Finch will not necessarily focus on. I think it's just going to kind of be a byproduct of the way that he wants to play. Um, You know, there are teams that run plays for corner threes, yes, uh, and the Wolves do sometimes. Um, But I think it's going to be a byproduct of more ball movement, of running the ball, of of running the offense through Carl Anthony Towns. That's just simply going to happen more often. Um, Incidentally, the Wolves were last in the league in three-point shooting percentage from the corner the prior season, the COVID-shortened season in uh, in 1920. They were under 34% from the corners, which was the worst mark in the league. Um, So... For whatever that's worth, at least they took a small step in the right direction. And still, it was a year when Beasley was hurt, Russell was hurt, Towns was hurt. Um, and then going back the year prior to that, they were they were actually 11th in the league, which was the year that Tibbs was fired midseason and Saunders took over. They were just a shade under 39% from three that year. Um, and, and in case you're wondering, because I was when I looked this up, who on the team was not not to blame, I guess the opposite of that, who is responsible for the good mark that season? Well, Carl Anthony Towns, 41% from the corners. That was helpful. Andrew Wiggins, 47% from the corners on threes. Jimmy Butler, 50, he only played in 10 games that year, but 50% from the corners. Derek Rose, it was nuts. 52% from the corners in 51 games that year. Rocco was traded midseason, but he was 54% from the corners. So certainly some outlier performances there. Um, that was also the year when there were like, like a million random guys who played in one or two games. I mean, Isaiah Kanan was on that team. James Nunnally played 13 games. Mitch Creek played in a game at the end of the season. Luol Deng was on that team. Um, But at any rate, that was the 11th best team in the league in terms of three-point shooting percentage from the corner last last year and 25th of this year. An area that I think will improve due to, uh, I I guess, um, balancing the law of averages. Towns will have a better year from the corner. My guess is that across the board, they'll just get more corner threes, whether it's McDaniels, Wancho, Towns. uh, Russell in some situations, if he's playing off the ball, I think we'll get some opportunities from the corner where he's very good. This team will continue to improve from there. It's it's an area uh, that clearly they can make some progress. Um, okay, lastly, I want to look at the NBA playoffs from Tuesday. Uh, there was only one game, but I want to talk through what happened in that one. Let's talk about Built Bar, though. First, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. If you think you know what protein bars taste like, you must not have had a Built Bar because they are fantastic. What's your favorite Built Bar? There's nine current flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. If you've never tried them before, I would suggest getting a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You can try them all. And then from there, order your favorite flavor in in, uh, one box, or you can do three flavors to a box as well. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, but they only have 130 calories and just four grams of sugar. Also only four grams net carbs. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is now in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 
at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Tuesday night, only one game that went down. That was Milwaukee and Brooklyn. That series was tied at two and was back in Brooklyn. Um, or, or I should say, well, yeah, sorry, was back in Brooklyn for game five. Uh, James Harden returned. He played in this game. He played 46 minutes in his return and only shot the ball 10 times. Was one of 10 shooting, 0 of 8 outside the arc. Finished with just five points, but he did pitch in eight assists and six rebounds. Kevin Durant played every single second in this game. 48 minutes of a 48-minute regulation game. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, two blocks. And uh, shot 16 of 23 from the field. Four of nine on threes. 13 of 16 at the free throw line. Obviously, he's the story of the game here. Giannis played 42 minutes, had 34 and 12 and also had four assists. Chris Middleton had 25, but it took him 22 shots to get the 25. And uh, the Bucks did get, you know, I mean, they got some the, some help. Pat Connaughton continues to play well. Drew Holiday continues to be very good on both ends of the floor. But this was just all about Kevin Durant. He was the best player on the floor. Um, and he still, I mean, remains. He's, he's not the Kevin Durant that he was, but when healthy, I mean, we could still argue this guy's a top five, six player in the league, right? Um, clearly that's what we're seeing. Blake Griffin had a bit of a resurgence, 17 points in 29 minutes on seven of 11, made three threes in this game. And uh, this was, by the way, Milwaukee took a big early lead and actually was up at halftime uh, by 16 points. But Brooklyn had a big third quarter and simply, I mean, didn't go away. Ended up, I, I wouldn't say pulling away. They only won, won by six. Um, but this was this was simply Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. Um, and he's he's... I know I made the case the other day that Donovan Mitchell was the story of the playoffs, but Kevin Durant is quickly becoming the story of the playoffs, especially if he drags a hobbled Brooklyn Nets team past Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the series goes back to Milwaukee for game six. The Bucks uh, this season, regular season and playoffs are now 4-0 or, or are currently 4-0 against the Nets at home. So the Bucks have a real shot at evening this thing back up at, at three games apiece, but then game seven's back in Brooklyn, of course. Um, and I mean... Also, by the way, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving didn't play in this game, to, to be clear. Uh, if you missed that, Harden played, shot one of 10, had five points. Kyrie did not play. Um, and now the Nets, they've got to feel a little bit like they're playing with house money going back to Milwaukee for game six. I'd be surprised if Kyrie plays. Just rest him another game, see if you can win. Obviously, anything can happen in a game seven, and they'd love to put this thing away. But if you can, if you won at home, if you came back and beat the Bucks at home, went down double digits at halftime with Kyrie resting his his uh, sprained ankle, give it a shot. Try and win in Milwaukee without him. Come back for Game Seven. Get Kyrie back as close to healthy as you can, and get your big three back on the court with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, and take a run at winning the Game Seven in Brooklyn if you need to do it that way. Uh, but I mean. What a fantastic series this has turned into. It looked early after the Nets won the first two games that this thing could be a blowout, but then the injuries kept cropping up. Then the Bucks played so well at home, um, and now we've got a game six. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. Um, coming up on Wednesday night, we have game five of Atlanta and the Philadelphia 76ers, a pivotal game five in another series. By the way, I... I I mean, we had the one sweep, right? The other three series all were tied to too. So this is what this is what basketball fans are hoping for, right? Um, at least I am, and I feel like I feel like everyone should be, unless you're a fan of one of these teams. Let's just get as much good basketball as we possibly can. Atlanta and Philadelphia play the early game on TNT on Wednesday at six thirty Central, and then we get Clippers Jazz, which is going to be a ton of fun, nine PM Central on TNT. Following that, of course, the story there is will Mike Conley play? 
which team's depth will show up and will Paul George show up in a big moment in the playoffs? And, and he could be the difference there is, is if George and Kawhi can both play extremely well. And if the Jazz don't get Conley back, uh, you know, quickly, then things could swing. I mean, the Jazz are still, I believe, favored in the series, but uh, man, tied two games apiece with no Conley, you know, we don't know if he's going to play yet. That's dicey for Utah, even though they are going back to Utah for game five. Um, all right. We'll talk about those games, of course, on Thursday's show, and uh, I believe we'll have the mock draft, if not for Thursday, certainly for Friday, the mock draft 3.0, which again, I made a pick in the top three for the Wolves. So look forward to that. We'll have the full draft here on the feed at Lockdown Wolves. So pay attention for that. It's coming very soon. Um, Otherwise, that's all I have for you today here on the show. Thanks, as always, for listening. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts from Apple to Google to Spotify, as well as the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and also at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's episode was brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Lockdown Rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Kevin Durant was all the Brooklyn Nets needed. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts.